Good morning to each one. Thank you for this opportunity to share. It's a blessing to be here. We uh, thoroughly enjoyed that wedding service yesterday. That was a blessing, each part. We, uh, we enjoyed ourselves. Thank you all for your hospitality and uh, making us feel very welcome here among you. <clears throat> I don't think I need to further introduce myself, but uh, we as a Troyer family live in Tennessee, and um, I think it was about 20-some years ago, my brother Sam lived here in Virginia, and he invited me to come live here also. And plans were made, and I almost moved. I had an invitation and an opportunity for work here, and uh, I went to the leader of the church that I was attending, and I asked his counsel. I said, what should I do? And uh, he said, I think you should stay with your parents. Your parents need you. And I listened to that advice, and I was telling my family about this last night as we were driving in the car. This was 20-some years before any of my children were born, before we were married, and I thought how different it might have been. But the Lord has us there, and by the grace of God, we will serve Him there. But I'm very happy to share a few words with you this morning, and I trust God's blessing will be upon it. Let's bow our heads just for one moment. Our Heavenly Father, we just look to you. We just acknowledge our need for you, Lord. We just thank you that uh, you hear from heaven and you know each heart here. Lord, we know very little, and we trust that your Spirit has the word prepared for the hearts. We commit it to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, we've been, we've been looking at the subject of faith here already this morning, so... This is not something new. I think that uh, one of my favorite subjects in the Bible is, is concerning faith. And, you know, it's an absolutely crucial, critical subject for every one of us. Jesus Christ made the statement. He said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith upon the earth? That's a question. He asked the question as though we could answer it. Where is, he going to find the, where is he going to find the faith? Is he going to find, he's not asking the question, will he find religion? Will he find denominations? Will he find people that make professions? The faith he's looking for is a faith within our hearts. Will he find faith upon the earth? Will he find faith in the believer's hearts? Many times Jesus spoke of faith when he was here. He made comments, he said, Oh, ye of little faith. Or on one occasion, he was amazed, he says. Wow, he says, I have not found such great faith in all Israel. He, was, he looked at people's hearts, and he determined what is the level of faith. And when he returns, he's going to be looking for faith. <clears throat> The Apostle Paul says, while we look not at things which are seen, but things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Faith. What is faith? 
I'd like to just briefly say, faith is something we can't see, or it's believing in something we can't see. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says <clears throat> that, uh, that we must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. The essence is, faith is believing in something that we cannot see, something that's obviously not there by our natural perception. So he says, close your eyes. He says, look not at those things which are seen. When we pray, we close our eyes. Why do we close our, close our eyes? Because our eyes are our natural perception. We look not at those things which are seen, but at those things which are not seen. And faith is, in the, the essence of faith is seeing something with a spiritual eye. Seeing something through the, with a light of, of faith, a, a spiritual eye. Our eyesight can get dim naturally, but that does not inhibit faith. It does not inhibit the spiritual eye. Many of you men that are older, ladies that are older, as you get older, your natural eyesight gets dim. But also, that spiritual eyesight becomes stronger. That spiritual faith and trust in God becomes stronger. You're going to meet the Lord soon. It's, going to be, it's more of a reality. Many people seek to enter into the reality of the spiritual world today. Many people are seeking that spiritual reality. No, they know there's a reality around us that's invisible to the natural eye. Some people do it through drugs, and it's a reality. Some people do it through sorcery, through, through demonology, other sources. They enter into a realm that's denied us as humans, as Christians. We're denied that. God has placed us inside a physical realm, inside of a physical body with physical functions, physical realities, and he's protected us there. It's a protection. When we step outside of that physical reality, we are vulnerable to the spirits. There's people in other parts of the world that, um, that practice these things. We were just taking a trip uh, last, uh, last month uh, to Bolivia, and there they have uh, they have ancient tribes, or shall we say, uncivilized tribes of of Indians there. And some of these uncivilized tribes they they practice witchcraft, and uh, they do it as a business. Even there are some of the tourist agencies that I noticed have signs, you know, take a spiritual journey, come come take a uh, a tourist trip with us. And you can have a spiritual journey. And these, these savages, they know certain herbs and plants that they, that they mix together and create a substance that causes people to enter a new reality. Opens their eyes to a spiritual reality. It's, 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 it's scary, it's real, and it's weird. But it's, but it's out there. But God hasn't given us or called us to those type of things. He's, he's called us to faith, which is entering into that spiritual reality by acknowledging that it exists and through reading and understanding the Word of God. And that's the safe way of entering into the spiritual reality. It's by faith, believing there is a God. Faith's not something hard to understand. It's, it's simply 
living in the presence of God. When the, the great men of faith in Hebrews 11, they simply lived with the reality of God. They lived believing that God was and that he would reward them as they sought and as they followed him. Faith is a means to, uh, to enter into the realm of God's presence. When Christ returns, will he find that type of faith on the earth? We can continue a form. We can continue a habit of coming to church. But why do we come to church? Is it? Because we are within the realm of the presence of God. Not with drugs, not with witchcraft, not with seances, but rather with, by faith we enter in to the presence of God. You know, when I look at the, at the heroes, we would say, of faith in Hebrews 11, many have called it uh, a hall of, of faith. You know, I think we should be careful not to simply set these characters, Moses, Noah, Abraham, into a, into a beautiful into a, into a beautiful setting or into a beautiful painting of, uh, of admiration as a, as a hero that's gone before. I think of it like this, you know, uh, if you go down to the parts store, uh, th there'll be a rack of magazines on the, on the shelf with these antique cars, beautiful, shiny, elegant cars. You know, there'll be a rack pasted over here of that. But if you go out to the, down to the counter, there'll be another set of magazines, or, or shall I say some, some, uh, some, some small books there, say Haynes or it'll say Chilton's on it. I don't know how many of you are mechanics here. But those are repair manuals. And those explain to you how to work on a car. And to me, I think that these heroes of faith are not there as monuments to be looked at and to, and to be admired, but I think that they are those that show us how life should be lived. I think that they're the repair manuals underneath the counter. I think that we can look at Abraham, we can look at Moses, we can look at Noah, and we can see their life and how they lived in the presence of God with their circumstances. See, none of their circumstances were the same. I mean, you compare Noah with Abraham. There's not a lot of similarity. They lived a different life, but there is a similarity. Moses, one thing that follows through with all of them, they were considered ridiculous. They were considered idiots. They were considered maybe even insane by the society that they lived in. Were they insane? No, they lived with a different value. They lived with a different, in a different reality. They were concerned about eternity. They were concerned about God. They were not concerned about the present so much and about, uh, about what other people were thinking about them. You take, it, you take Noah building the ark. You know, he, he, was, he was probably called a lot of names a lot of ridiculous names, and people scoffed. The Bible says he was mocked, and the Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness because of what? Because of faith, because he lived in the reality of God. He lived with the, with the uh, vision of eternity, with the call of God on his life. If you looked at his life from the perspective he lived it, 
It made absolute perfect sense. You look at it from the perspective of those standing by that did not have that vision, it was ridiculous. And how can we gauge our life? Am I walking by faith? Are people saying he's an idiot? Why is he spending his money that way? Why is he spending his time that way? Why is he going to the jail? Why is he sending money to the poor or to the, to the needy? Why is he doing that? Why, is, why, why are they coming to church? That's, that's ridiculous. We could sit at home and enjoy a good hot cup of coffee. We could sit around and, and, and watch the news or, or some sports or something like that. Why, don't, why, why do you want to be different? What causes you to be different? What makes you come and sit on a bench and listen to somebody preach out of, a, out of an antique book like this, archaic book like this? You know, why not, why not do something relevant to society and enjoy yourself? You're idiots. But it's, but it's a perspective. Are we people of faith or not? Do we have faith in our hearts? That's what brings us here today, is faith. We'd get very quickly tired of doing something repeatedly that doesn't make any sense in our society, but we live by a different set of principles, by a different set of values, and we have a different vision. Our vision is eternal. It's not for today and for tomorrow. The Lord Jesus made this statement, he says, what shall I liken this generation unto? He said, it's like children sitting in the marketplace. And they say, we have, we have played unto, to you and you have not danced. We have mourned unto you and you have not wept. But he said, Jesus, he said that John the Baptist came to you neither eating nor drinking. And you say, he has a devil. The son of man came to you eating and drinking, and you say, behold, a wine-bibber and a glutton. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, we didn't fit into your, into your, into your thoughts. We didn't fit into your lifestyle. We didn't meet your criteria. Jesus was saying, I didn't meet your criteria for a Messiah. And we weren't stepping to your tune. We weren't marching to your drummers. John and I were, that's what Jesus says, we're not, stepping to your, we're not stepping to your tune, we're not marching to your drummers, John and I aren't. Why? Were John and, and Jesus uh, ridiculous? Were they, were they not understanding the beat? No, they were stepping to a different tune. They had a different drummer. They, they weren't equal. John's life was not sim similar to Jesus' life. John, John was very different than Jesus. And each one of us today, if we're living a life of faith, we may be very different from someone else. But the life of faith leads each person to live in the presence of God. Do we have faith? Is God watching over my, my shoulder? Is he at my right hand, at my left hand? Is he with me? John 5.44 says, how can you believe or how can you have faith when you receive honor one of another? Is our focus on our brother or is our focus on the Lord? Are we receiving our honor from God or are we receiving it from our brother? 
How do we enter into the realm of his presence? We enter in by faith, believing God is there. Do we see him? No, we can't see him, not with our physical eyes, but he's there. Accept it and believe it and live that way. That's the life of faith. That's where you'll end up as a, as a, as a hero of faith if we live that way. I have a lot of points this morning, and I'm not sure if I'll get through them, but, uh, but there's many things in our lives that we need faith for. The first very important thing is our own salvation. We cannot be saved unless we have faith. Faith is necessary for us to be saved. We must believe in God. We must have faith in the finished work, the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. If we don't have faith in that, if we do not believe that Jesus Christ paid the, and made an atonement for my sin, for our sin, if we're trying to pay for that sin by our own works or by some other means, we are not saved. Salvation comes by faith and only by faith in Jesus Christ. That's the basis of our salvation. It's by faith. Faith. Romans 10.9 says for, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Praise God. <clears throat> This, that's in Romans 10. Romans 10, 12 says, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. The same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? The gospel message brings faith in our hearts, and we can believe on Jesus Christ, and we can be saved. What did does Jesus teach that we need faith for? We need faith for salvation. Romans 8.24 says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? For if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Does my life reflect the values of eternity, the values of God's approval, or does my life reflect simply a relationship with this present world? Does my life make sense in this world, or does it make sense in eternity? Does what I do relate to God or simply to men? It's not that any of us are idiots. It's simply that some have a different reality that they live in. It's simply that some are, are, are intelligent in the reality. There's actually very, very few people that, uh, that are living in without, without sense, without common sense. But their sense is, is in relation to the reality that they're living in. <clears throat> My second point what do we need faith for? We need it in a very practical way. We need faith for our everyday provisions. The Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. 
And he says, no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or else he'll hold to one and despise the other. He says, behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, neither do they gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. How much more better are ye not much better than they? He says, wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not, so, not, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? That's faith. O ye of little faith, don't you think God cares about us? We need God for our daily provision. We need God also for our protection. God protected the Jesus protected the disciples in Matthew 8:23 when he had entered into his ship, into a ship his disciples followed him and behold there rose a great tempest in the sea inasmuch as the ship was covered with the waves but he was asleep and his disciples came to him and awoke him saying lord save us we perish and he saith unto them why are you so fearful o ye of little faith o ye of little faith and he arose and rebuked the wind and there was a great calm. <clears throat> we need God for protection. We need God in, in the difficult times of our life. Many circumstances we face. On a daily basis, we need God's protection. We need, that's where we use faith. We believe in God for our protection. We, need, we, we believe God in times of distress. We believe, we, we believe in God in times of sickness. Where do we turn in times of, of, uh, of fear, times of uh, anxiety, times of sickness? We turn to God because we have faith. We believe God sees. We believe God rewards those that diligently seek him. That's because we're people of faith. And when Christ returns, he's going to look into hearts of people. And, the, and the, the question requires an answer. Will he find faith? And I think each one of us needs to ask ourselves the question, will he find faith on the earth in my heart? Will, will Christ return finding faith in my heart? Will I, be, will I be simply conscious and aware of the realities of the world, or will I be maintaining the fear of God in my heart? We need him for healing. Matthew 9, 2, it says, And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy lying on the bed. Jesus, seeing their faith, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, of, son be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Here Jesus forgave this man's sins. He saw their faith. Matthew 9, 20, Behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came to him and touched the hem of his garment. And she said unto, within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about when he saw her and said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that very hour, from that hour. See how faith. Jesus was looking for faith. Everywhere he looked, he looked for faith. When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, this is Matthew 8, 5, there came unto him a centurion 
beseeching him and saying, Lord, thy servant lieth at home sick of the palsy. My servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and thy servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. We, we see that this man had faith in spiritual authority. He likened natural authority to spiritual authority, and he came up with the conclusion that spiritual authority could accomplish this fact. He said this man has spiritual authority because he makes a, he makes a command in the spirit realm, Nobody physically hearing him, and it, and it accomplishes a reality. Therefore, he has spiritual authority. And this man, if you can imagine his thought process, the centurion, he's saying, okay, I tell this servant he go, to go, and he goes. And this man lives in a spiritual realm, and he makes a command in a spiritual realm, and it's accomplished. A spiritual reality is accomplished. This man is a man of faith. This man is a man of faith. Centurion's servant was healed. He said, don't even bother coming under my roof. Your command, your authority transcends space. You don't need to be there. Just make the statement, you're speaking into the spiritual world and it can be accomplished at my home. And that's a reality today. We prayed for Tim. We prayed for, for Tim Friesen in Texas. That's a spiritual reality. We speak into the spiritual world here this morning. We, do we realize and recognize that we are living in a spiritual reality? If God would open our eyes, if we could see the spiritual world here this morning, we would see, we would see angels about us here. We would speed, see the spirits of light. We would see God. We would, see, we would see some amazing things. The prophet Elijah told, uh, told his servants, he says, there's more with us than be with them. The servant was terrified because the armies were surrounding his house. And, and, and Elijah said, or Elisha or Elijah said, open his eyes, told the Lord to open his eyes. And, and God opened his eyes and he saw the spirit world. And he, and he said, wow, there's nothing to be worried about. There's more with us than be with them. And if we saw the spiritual reality, and I think it's an exercise that each one of us needs to practice. Allow your mind to think of the spiritual realities. They're here. They're around us. They're about us. They care about us. Live that way. That's what, that's what the, the life of faith is. The life of faith is living that way. Do we have any direction like that from Jesus? You know, all the great men of faith, they had a promise to hold on to. God spoke to Abraham and he said, Abraham, leave this country move to, and, and move. Abraham steps out by faith even before he knew where he was going and he takes off. 
and not knowing where he was going. He lives a life of faith. You know, from the worldly perspective and those about him, it was a ridiculous thing. Why do you, do, why do you step into the insecurity of, of traveling across the desert by yourself How, or with your servants, whatever it may be? Abraham believed that God had an eternal city for him. And to that degree, he did not want to attach himself to this life. He lived out his life in a tent. He lived out his life in a tent. It says he tabernacled with Abraham and uh, with Jacob. And, uh, and he lived out his life in a tent. Because why? Because he was looking for something greater. He wanted to keep his perception and his perspective clear that there was an eternal that there was an eternal reality. Do we live for this life? Do we live for the for for the for eternity? Do we live in the light of our brother and sister, or do we live in the light of God? Do we live for the praise of men, or do we live for the for the pleasure and the smile of God? It's a difference of faith. Jesus several times said, "Be it according to your faith." If you have faith, let it happen. <clears throat> Do we have faith today? There's many other things that we need the faith of God for. Can I be a pers person of faith? It's, it takes effort to maintain because our physical eyes only see the temporal. And uh, in 2 Corinthians 4.18, Paul tells us, he says, look not at the things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. It takes effort to look at things which are not seen. It takes effort to look at things which are not seen. It takes time to look at things which are not seen. We have to maintain that reality within our hearts because it doesn't happen automatically. Our eyes automatically open. It's easy to see things that are seen. It's easy to watch some flashing light. It's easy to see that. But it's hard to close those eyes and, and really see the reality of, of God, the reality of, this, of what the Bible teaches us, and accept that as truth. That's faith. Believing God. Let's, in closing, also look at, uh, look at what Jesus teaches us here, that we should, the reality that we should live in by faith. Luke, Luke chapter 12 Verse 6 and 7. This is our direction. Abraham had his. Noah had his. Moses had his direction. What's our direction? Jesus left us our direction. And uh, I think if we just park here on this direction and, and, and really ingrain this in our hearts, it make a difference in our life. I trust it'll make a difference in our, our life. Jesus, and if you look at the beginning of this chapter, verse 1, it says, In the meantime, there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another. And he began to say unto the disciples, first of all, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Okay, so that's the setting. It's a huge group of people. And, they're, and it's just a massive amount of humanity there. And, and these are whom he's speaking to. In verse 6 and 7. Verse 6 says. Verse 5 says. For I forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which hath 
after he hath killed, hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. He says, but even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not them, fear not therefore, ye are of more value than sparrows. That's the, that's, that's the, uh, the realm that we as Christians are called to live. We're called to live in a realm where we're valued by God. And uh, he says, are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? Five sparrows. Why does he use sparrows? Sparrows are a very common bird, probably the most common bird you'll ever find anywhere. They're found all over the world, sparrows. He was speaking to this huge multitude of people, and I'm sure every one of those people thought, I'm just a common person. Why would God have any interest in me? Why would God have a, have a special, specific interest in me? I'm a common person. I'm just one of a crowd. He said, you take a group of five sparrows and you sell them for two farthings. He says, God sees every one of those five sparrows. God knows each one of those. Not one of them is forgotten before God. Not one of them is forgotten. You know, we think in terms of our own imagination. We think in terms of our own mental capacity. And we don't recognize that God's capacity is so entirely different than ours. I think that there's some here that believe that God doesn't have enough mental capacity to really pay attention to your life. You think God is something like yourself that, that, that can't, couldn't possibly be carefully and minutely scrutinizing every one of your thoughts. And I'm suspicious that some of you here think that God doesn't have enough time for you. You know, I think that's a very normal thought. That's a, that's a thought that's centered my heart many times. How could God possibly think about all of humanity at one time? You know, I was traveling home from Bolivia last week, and we were up at 36, 37,000 feet, and I looked down, and a break in the clouds, and I saw an island probably somewhere where Beth and, and Bruce are at right now, down there in the Caribbean, and... Uh, I saw hundreds of little roads, and I saw little houses down there. I couldn't see any details, but I knew people lived in those houses. And I knew that there were more people in there than, than I could imagine. There were thousands of people. Within, within my visual perspective, there were thousands of people. There were villages, towns. I could see hundreds of miles, or maybe 100 miles, and uh, cities. And I started thinking at that moment, you know, my perception is so vague, but God can see not only those houses, those little dots along those roads, but he sees the people that live in those little houses, and he sees in the hearts of every one of those people in those houses. That's how God is. That's, I mean, in our technology, technological world, I'm sure that we're beginning to develop an idea that there could be something like that. You know, you can hold in your hand a tiny little uh, thumb drive or something that can hold enough information to probably uh, have a biography of a, of a million or a billion people on it. A small, you know, biography of a million people. And so you can start imagining 
what's the brain of God like or what's the mind of God like? You know, the next verse says, the next verse here says, but even the very hairs of your head are numbered. That's incredible. Do we live in that presence? Do we have the faith to believe that? Do we have the faith to believe God sees my hair? How many of you have ever counted any hairs on your head? Anybody counted their hairs? Had somebody count your hair? I've never counted anybody's hair. I did a little research, and they said that uh, blonde, people with blonde hair have, have about 140,000 hairs average. Uh, the dark-colored hair is a little coarser, maybe 110,000, and redheads have the least, which is about 90,000. So... But I have never counted it. You know, what would you think if you came by my house and, and you saw me maybe with one of my children or something and I was counting their hairs on their head? What do you think? What would you think? He must, uh, he must have lost his job, right? <laughs> he, must be, uh, he must have an awful lot of extra time. You know, I think that's what God's wanting us to think about him. You know, if you don't have faith in God, I think he's sort of lost his job, hasn't he? Think about it with me. God says, I'm counting the hairs of your head. That means I have time for you. I think that's what he's saying to us today. Do we believe God has time for me and he's interested in me? That's an awesome reality. Can we live in that kind of faith? If we have that kind of faith, we live that way. When Christ returns, he's going to find faith on the earth. He says, nevertheless, when I return. If you read the first part of that, that verse, he says, I'm going to answer your prayers, but nevertheless, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? So let's, let's keep that kind of focus. God is interested in me. He has time for me. He wants me to live in his presence. And the more we live that way, the more he directs our steps. Proverbs says, Proverbs chapter 3 says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your steps, direct your path. And the more we acknowledge him, the more he directs it. If we acknowledge him in everything, he directs it in everything. If we acknowledge him a little, he directs it a little. How much of God do you want in your life? We have to have faith that much. We have to believe that much. The sky's the limit. You'll get as close to God as you want to be. God's not holding you off. He's got time for you, and he's got interest in you. May God bless you. I'll turn the time over to the brothers.